Welcome to the podcast series for the ESRC-funded International Centre for Life Course Studies in Society and Health at UCL. In today's podcast, author of The Life Project, Helen Pearson, talks about Britain's birth cohort studies, the important research that's been done using them, how they've touched our lives, and how important they are in helping us to understand when it's best to intervene to help people lead a healthy, happy and fulfilling life. The British birth cohorts are this remarkable series of studies which have tracked generations of children growing up in Britain over the last 70 years. So it really all started back in in March 1946 when scientists decided to record the birth of almost every baby that was born in one week. Um, This was just a few months after the end of the the war. And um, they've been following thousands of them ever since. And, And those children turned 70 in March of this year. And that effort's really become something very special. It's the um, longest running major study of human development in the world. It was so successful that scientists went on and uh, repeated this exercise, did similar studies in 1958. In 1970, there was another one in tracking children born in the millennium. And, um, and altogether, the, these studies have, have, again, become very special because no other country in the world now is following generations of children in quite such detail as, as we are in Britain. And the results have been very important and, and prolific, so have um, touched on things ranging from understanding fetal development to understanding social mobility, understanding the impacts of smoking in, in pregnancy. Uh, so they've really ended up touching the lives of almost everybody in, in Britain today through their very wide-reaching um, impacts on, on policy and um, on science. So what sorts of information do they contain, Helen? So a huge range um, across social information and health information. So information nowadays about jobs, about incomes, about social class, ranging to indicators of of health, so body weight, blood pressure. Uh, Scientists have gathered many biological samples over the years of, of DNA, blood, so just a huge, huge range, and sometimes the indicators or, or the measures, you know, have reflected the kind of the, the questions of the time. So, for example, right back at the beginning, no one thought to ask the mothers whether they smoked um, during pregnancy, and of course, that would be a really, really priority question that would be asked um, of women today. And what's so special about the ones that we have in the UK, say, compared with what exists elsewhere in the world? Well, it's really having this sequence which have um, looked at at successive generations. So there are lots and lots of birth cohort studies around the world, but being able to um, follow generations like this allows you to ask quite powerful questions about how society is changing. So, for example, um, obesity is one. So there's really interesting ways where you can just just compare the body weights of of children and and adults as they've grown up when they've been uh, born at different times in in history and um, you know seeing how body weight has changed and how childhood obesity has become a much bigger problem so that's really why the British ones are special. Now in in your very wonderful book The Life Project you, you you say as I think you mentioned a moment ago that the results of the research that's been undertaken using these studies has rippled out to touch almost everyone in Britain today I mean that's quite a statement how would you say that that's happened? Well, I think one good example, just to go right back to the start of these studies, was that in the 1940s, um, when this huge maternity survey was done that looked at how women were giving birth in Britain after the war, it exposed these really huge inequalities in in that working class mothers were receiving much worse medical care, their children were much more likely to be born dead. And these inequalities, these results, when they emerged, ended up having a really big impact and they were able to feed into the foundations of the NHS. And when that launched in 1948, that made maternity care 
and um, care around birth um, free for everybody. So it really kind of helps establish principles that we hold on to today, that all women deserve good care around uh, pregnancy and birth. So in some ways, the care that that families receive around pregnancy and birth today are partly thanks to these studies. So that, that's one simple way. Um, in other ways, it's uh, helped shape our education system. So, for example, was quite a big driver in the move away from grammar schools to comprehensive education. I talked about smoking and pregnancy. That was another really big finding um, that emerged from these studies, which has just helped uh, shape the kind of standard health advice that we have around pregnancy. So, so those are just some of the reasons I argued, um, as you said, that studies have touched almost everybody's lives. I wonder if there's a specific piece of research or, or finding from the cohort studies that stands out for you personally. Another one I find really interesting, which has been recent and goes back to something we were just discussing, was, was looking at obesity, actually, which has obviously been a kind of bone phenomenon in society. And there was quite a recent study where scientists were able to take the body weights of the cohort members from these different generations and just compared how obesity has affected them all. And um, for the early cohorts, so 1946, 1950, 1970, um, childhood obesity just wasn't really an issue then. And interestingly, all of those three cohorts, actually, the body weight started to sort of go up around the same time in the 1980s, even though they were very different weights at the time. And then the cohorts that have been born after that, childhood obesity has been a really uh, big issue. So it's sort of helped us understand that something kind of changed, something quite dramatic changed in, in that time in the 1980s. And one thought is that that's when people's lifestyles were really changing. We were becoming more affluent. People were able to afford cars. So perhaps we were being a bit less active. We could afford to eat out more. Um, jobs were becoming more sedentary. Um, so it kind of helps us understand, you know, how a whole sort of society environment has changed in ways which have had a really, really big impact on population health. Yeah, indeed. And uh, obesity, one of the things certainly that the team at ICLS spends a lot of time looking at. They've just published this this booklet, uh, Never Too Early, Never Too Late, looking at the whole issue of what research using the cohort studies might tell us about when it's useful to intervene in people's lives to help them live long and happy happy and healthy lives. I wonder if there's anything in there that's particularly caught your eye. Absolutely. I mean, I think the title is, is great, actually, because that was just such a huge theme that, that came out of, of my thinking as well book about never too early, never too late. You know, it's a little dangerous to say that we, we must focus our attention on, on one particular part of our lives. That said, I do think there's a really big emphasis and a right emphasis in this book on early life. All of these tend to show what a kind of profound um, influence our social circumstances around birth and the early childhood years have on people's life trajectories. And that is just this sort of unavoidable message from the book as well, in that children who have been born into disadvantage tend to follow more difficult life trajectories. And there's just no getting away from that. And that was true back in 1946. And it's true of children being born today. So I think, you know, a, a big message from the never too early, never too late is just how important health support and also social support and, and parenting is in those those early years and how just simple acts like, you know, reading to a child, supporting them, being ambitious for their future, that's often correlated with better outcomes in, in school and in life. And that was certainly a, a really strong message from the booklet and also just from studying the, the cohort studies. I listened to an interview with you recently where you said you pretty much stumbled across the birth cohorts by accident and make the point that many people just don't seem to know about their existence, let alone what they've done for us. Yeah, they're, they're great. I mean, sometimes people call them a, a jewel in the crown of, of British science. And, and you're absolutely right. When I came across them and could have sort of thought, oh, I think maybe there's a book here. I just couldn't believe someone hadn't written it already, actually. Not only is there all this amazing science, but actually there's also this wonderful backstory about the, the scientists who kind of fought to keep these things alive. 
because um, it, you know, it hasn't always been easy. There's often been times when there hasn't been funding or, or not political support for them. Most people find when they learn about these studies, they end up going, wow, I just hadn't realised that this thing that I take for granted it is actually partly down to, um, to these studies. And also they really find something to relate to as well, because most people find, uh, you know, one of these cohorts is, is close to, to their age group. And so, you know, it really kind of makes it very personal for them as well. So I think, I guess the message is that, you know, there's something here for everybody. Helen Pearson was talking to Chris Garrington about the British Birth Cohort Studies and the ICLS booklet Never Too Early, Never Too Late, a summary of the centre's work and an explanation of its implications for helping people to live as long and healthy a life as possible. You can download the booklet for free from the ICLS website at www.icls.ac.uk.